Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you on this uh, Wednesday. Beautiful day in the Hawke's Bay. I hope you're copying the same uh, good weather after the big wet that we've had uh, in the last month or two. Uh, today we have uh, spread the net very wide in terms of uh, our coverage of sport. Uh, we're going to begin with uh, base, uh, baseball because uh, Auckland Tuatara CEO Regan Wood is going to join us. Uh, they made a hell of a signing yesterday to join the Tuatara ranks for this coming season. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll go to George Berry, musician and NBA pundit after 9.30 uh, because the NBA kicks off tomorrow. In fact, that might even kick off today. It does. It kicks off today. I'm just checking those dates again. It does. Uh, Celtics playing the 76ers, the Golden State Warriors up against the Lakers. Two very high-profile games, those. Uh, after 10 o'clock, um, I know that uh, Ricardo wants to talk football because there's so much going on in the EPL this week, including games this morning. We'll keep you updated with that. Uh, 10... 20 this morning, we'll have a panel with Andrew Gordy and Aidan McLaughlin. Uh, then after 11 o'clock, probably the most neglected sport in the country, and I don't know why, because we've been seven times world champions, and that is uh, the Black Sox and softball. And the world championships begin in Auckland uh, in about uh, five weeks' time. We shall talk to Mark Sorensen, New Zealand Black Sox coach, just after 11 o'clock. Have a quick catch-up with Andy Thompson around about quarter to 12 because his show, uh, of course, the Rural Roundup is on this afternoon between 12 and 1 uh, outside of Auckland and Wellington. And we'll also talk to staff, of course, because his show is on in Auckland and Wellington uh, between 12 and 2 this afternoon before he gives way to some other stuff, including some league. Fascinating. Also, we'll keep you updated with uh, what's happening in the Rugby League World Cup. Uh, as uh, that game unfolds, it's a very, very tight one. It's 9.05 here on SENZ. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, what's in a name? Plenty, actually, when it comes to the All Blacks. Or is that the All Blacks proper, the All Blacks 15, the Maori All Blacks, the New Zealand Sevens, or whatever next? The All Black brand globally is big. Up there with Manchester United, the Dodgers, the Yankees and the Lakers... It's big on the world stage, but unlike the other big players, the All Black brand is being serious, seriously diluted by spreading it wider. It sort of doesn't make sense, does it? But then it does. You can be deep in the Amazon rainforest or in the middle of the Sahara itself, and you'll probably see someone with a Yankees cap on. But there is only one Yankees team, the pinnacle of the club, the jewel in the crown. And so it should be with the All Blacks. When James Allen posthumously was awarded jersey number one back in 1884, he became part of a special club, if you like, through to Stephen Perifetta, who with jersey number 1206, with just 50 precious seconds to his name. 
In between them, 1,200 members plus, some brief and fortunate maybe, some absolute bloody legends of the game and our lives in fact, but still members of that rather special club. And whilst members of the All Blacks 15 about to tour North will not be awarded proper All Black status or numbers, it might well appear to some looking on that they have, and that is false and diluting the status of those that have and that are. It spreads the brand, it's a marketing tool, there are genuine All Blacks of the past in the group, but not at the moment, they are in the backup group. Call them New Zealand something, or if they're an ongoing concern, give them a unique tag, but leave the All Black label to those that have reached the very pinnacle of the game. The game might be in a bit of a mess financially and as a spectacle, but let's keep the All Blacks clear and obvious, just like the Black Ferns, separate, unique, and the jewel in our crown. It is 9.07 and uh, this latest uh, Rugby League World Cup uh, is a cliffhanger. Logan Swinkles, you're all over this. What's happening? Oh, this is huge, Smithy. We were talking about Tonga v Papua New Guinea being the game of the opening round of the Rugby League World Cup. It is currently 18-all after Dan Russell just scored and uh, Rhys Martin slotted the conversion and there's just 10 minutes to go. 10 minutes to go between PNG uh, and Tonga. Now, let's not forget, Tonga were raved about on both sides of the Tasman as uh, a side that had to be regarded as one of the favourites. Mm, haven't started so well, have they? Something in common there with the Samoa. They haven't got the dominance. They haven't combined as quickly as everyone thought they would. However, uh, the subject that we really want to talk about now is baseball. And with the, uh, less than a month out from the start of the Australian Baseball League uh, for 2022-23, the Auckland Tuatara dropped the news of a big signing out of the major leagues, Taiwanese superstar and former Boston Red Sox shortstop Su Wei Lin has come into town, and we know the team aren't done yet. So with us now is the CEO of the Auckland Tuatara, uh, and that is Regan Wood, of course, uh, regular on the show. Uh, Regan, good to have you back. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Uh, and uh, yeah, we got you know, we are a month away. A little bit nervous. I was talking to Steve Mintz this morning, and I said. He was talking to him. I said, I've got to go. I've got stuff to do. And he goes, yeah, we all got stuff to do. I said, no, no, i got stuff to do because you guys are coming. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're heads down, bum up, and, and uh, beavering away. And part of that uh, beavering away is, of course, completing your squad. And uh, yesterday, the signing of Sue Wei Lin, uh, that is one heck of a deal coming together for the Tuatara. Yeah, thank you. Look, and, and the thing about for him and, you know, why did... We end up with him. He wants to come out to New Zealand, right? So he's like, why wouldn't I want to go and live in New Zealand for the summer, play some baseball? So he's sort of watched what we've done from a Tuatara point of view because we've had uh, Taiwanese players and we played a couple of years ago and uh, we're pretty good hosts here in New Zealand. Like everyone, you know, we leave people alone, as you know, being, your, being yourself, you know, not too many people annoy you. The weather's good. There's not too many baddies around and you can play some baseball. It's interesting, and it's not unlike basketball. We see it, we see it breakers level. Uh, these uh, these promising young talent. Uh, it's almost a pathway, and here uh, we see it now starting to emerge in baseball as well. New Zealand being that uh, that stop off spot. Yeah, look, we're we're very lucky that because of our games being broadcast, so they get seen. So you know, we were talking to a couple of players, and um, what they were they'd been. Uh, an independent baseball, so which is not affiliates. They're not. That means they're not part of the major league organisation. So they're independent. So there was two players we were talking to, and one of them was very keen to come down because he could see a pathway for getting signed 
um, back into MLB because Jared Coning got signed previously. You know, Elliot, uh, uh, Elliot Johnson being a Kiwi got signed. So they see this as a, I guess, as a, you're right, as a, as a pathway, as a process to get back to Major League Baseball. Unfortunately, uh, one of the guys that we were going to bring out, he got signed by the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Brewers actually swooped in and grabbed him. So he said, look, I can't come out and play for you guys because I'm now with the Brewers, but I'd like to come out to Auckland um, and, and, you know, hang out for a few few weeks and watch some games. So, you know, he's still going to come out because he feels part of it and he feels that we were actually taking a chance on him. So there's that affinity. Maybe it's just that... Kiwi hospitality, I don't know. But anyway, he, um, he he's still coming out to spend a couple of weeks um, over Christmas. You're dealing in a hell of a market. So how's, how do you think um, manager Steve uh, Mintz is going to go about using Sue Whalen? What, for what reason have you signed him as such positionally? Oh, look, so I mean, you know, you've got that kind of talent. So my view is if he's not the best, he'll be one of the best players in the ABL, and he should be, just looking at his talent. He's 28 years of age. When he got signed, he got signed um, by Boston, I think, for about 2 million US. What's that? Close to 4 million Kiwi dollars at the stage. You know, as a young sort of 18-year-old. He, um, he will be a guy that can play shortstop. He can play third base. He'll play second base. But... The thing about it is, and, and what, which is quite easy, is because he has that Asian influence that, mate, I need you to play left field today, no problem. I need you to do this, no problem. As opposed to, you know, the average Kiwi, the average American, oh, you know, I need to express myself, I'm not getting this opportunity. So he will do anything that we ask him to do, but he will bring that skill set and also that maturity and leadership. So I think bringing someone in like him is really good, particularly for the um Jason Matthews, a Kiwi, who'll be playing alongside him. Um, and we've got Wyatt Hoffman, another young guy. So that, that, you're forming that kind of leadership, that kind of culture. But he will do anything we need him to do. Uh, but we also give him a green light to do what he needs to do. So instead of he was playing a particular role with the Red Sox, he'll be able to play a different role with us. He'll be able to actually hit for a little bit of power. He'll be able to steal bases. He'll be able to do those things that that we, we, we encourage because we, we're not the Boston Red Sox, right? We're the Auckland Tuatara and we play a little bit differently. Okay, uh, Regan, let's uh, look at the remainder of your squad. Uh, any other big-name signings in the offing? Oh, well, look, you know, so Johnny Gomes is a two-time world champion. So he won with the Boston Red Sox and he also won with the um, Kansas City Royals. Now, he's really keen to come down, but he wants to bring down his wife and his kids to experience New Zealand. So not, not an unreasonable request, but, you know, we just got to financially go, okay, well, what does this look like and can we actually make that work? And that'd be super exciting. I mean, he's a personality. He's on ESPN. He's on John Boy Media. Um, you know, he's playing with the Savannah Bananas. Um, you know, so, so, so that, you know, got someone potentially like that as well. But we will, um, we'll be, well, I'm off to Japan on, um, Thursday, well, actually tomorrow, we're off Japan. We're actually having a trial in Tokyo, meeting with the Tokyo Giants, but we're actually having a trial and with MPB players that want to come out and play for the Tuatara. Now, we'll look for those guys to be injury cover, but at the moment, we know of six guys that are turning up that have all played in the MPB, which is the major league in Japan. So you're talking you know, the cream, you know, the crop of the cream, and uh, the cream of the crop, actually, I'm getting a little excited there, but... um that that want to come out. So we're kind of, uh, Steve Mintz is flying in from America, so he'll meet us there. We'll have that trial, then Mintz will come back. So we've got, 
you know, those players potentially. We've also got some more coming from Taiwan. We've got some guys coming from the national. So Dale Budge has sort of got all that lined up, but we, we've got probably over the next probably seven days we'll make more announcements of more players that are joining us. Regan, do you have a cap? Salary cap? Yeah, you've got a salary cap and you've got a point system. So someone like, but it, 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 it can be quite complicated. So a marquee player like uh, a Johnny Gomes or Lynn, for instance, they're, a, they're called a marquee, so they sit outside the salary cap. So then, and then, but you have a point system. So like a Kiwi will be a minus two, but a uh, um, a Asian player will be a plus one, but a affiliate player that's uh, you know Texas Rangers they'll be a plus two, but an independent. Uh, will be a plus four, but a uh, a franchise player, which is you know is your marquee player, they're a zero. You know, you've got to juggle all this to have about fifteen points. So I really like it as opposed to just a straight salary cap. I like a point system as well because it's a way of just keeping things in check. And also, um, and, and the beauty of that is everyone can look at and go, oh, Regan, you've said this player is a uh, a one where he should be a four because you can actually go and find that information on that particular player. So it's very transparent, I, and, I, and I quite like it, the juggling of, of both, because, you know, salary caps, they can be rorted, you know, you know and, of course, we, we probably are very much of, um, uh, you know, salary caps there to stop teams going broke. You know, there's a reason for it, right? So I kind of adhere to that, and we then run with the point system. So our team will be made up of, Taiwanese, Japanese players. It'll have um, Kiwis in there with a couple of Australians. It'll have affiliate guys from the Texas Rangers, the Padres. We'll have an independent guy. We'll have a couple of marquees. So it's a very much a reflection of the society that we live in, you know, that melting pot. We're just not doing one particular. Melbourne are very much um, independent and Australian players. Right? So we're, we're, we're sort of sampling like a bee. We're sampling from all the sort of the, the, the flowers around the world. Okay, Regan, so uh, in terms of you managed to sign Johnny Gomes um, and uh, one or two of these players out of Japan, how does that stack up in terms of all-time Tuatara franchise teams? I mean, it's starting to sound uh, to perhaps to be one of the strongest. Yeah, look, absolutely. So, um, you know, everything all starts off with good intentions and, you know, injuries come along and away you go. So we've kind of yeah, broken the, the season into the thirds, the normal, you know, start in the middle and then, then the end. So we're working at the moment of what that third looks like with injuries, you know, fatigue, players, who we need to bring in. Um, I think, yeah, on paper we look pretty strong, but, you know, it's a bit like the uh, the Tongan Rugby League team, right? On paper it looks all right, but you've got to sort of drill that mm. and you've got to make it work. Yeah, absolutely right. The other thing, um, and I, I bring someone like a Stephen Adams into this, and I say... Um, all it needs now is a, a high-profile type New Zealand player, New Zealand-born player, to crack it in the major leagues, all right? So imagine if we had someone playing in the playoffs now, what the ratings would be. Um, so what about the pathway for New Zealanders, which is, uh, to me anyway, and I imagine to you, very, very important? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the Tuatara, I mean, it was set up for a pathway for Kiwi players and, and to aspire in the, in the marketing arm. That's what it's there for. Um, we'll have um, six or seven Kiwis on our team, and um, they will be 
guys that have already signed. Um, but we're also having another. What we what we're doing is we've set up sort of two Otara pathways, which are these young guys that that, that are want to go to college. They're already playing baseball. They also probably playing rugby and cricket and everything else, which is great. We encourage all that. But with the idea of those guys, they'll be around the team. We will select um, two or three of those kids to be part of our team, and so they will be uh, a development player. They can come on the road with us potentially, or they'll be at home games. And then on a Monday night, what we're doing, we'll do into, uh, like a scrimmage game for some of our guys that need extra innings, extra at-bats, but these young guys will get that opportunity. So we're kind of, um, you know, if you think about professional sport, they don't really need to develop talent. You know, they need to develop a culture, uh, but a, but a, and a winning culture at that. But we're kind of looking at that a little bit different and going, we've got responsibility here to develop the next kids and generation and there's some yeah, we've got uh we've got a game on the 29th which is for some of these young kids also some of the Aucklanders that think they should be part of the Tuatara so we've got this game uh Steve Mintz and Braggs are going to be there and we can look at some of this young talent and see what's coming through but I think getting the Tuatara back on uh, the park and playing and being competitive I think that that will build the next lot of oh I might play baseball how do I play baseball so, um, you know, I think that's pretty important. Without, um, you know, that uh, shop window of the Tuatara, I think baseball can get a little bit lost. It can be a little very much that sort of, it's out of mind. So, you know, bringing it back to Stephen Adams, bringing it back to basketball, and as you know, we've got a basketball team. Um, mm. Yeah, that's on TV. That league's on TV. So, you know, basketball, uh, Dale and I were just talking yesterday one of the media personalities comes along to a game, you know, and he's a dyed-in-the-wall rugby guy, watches the basketball with his kid. His kid's now given up rugby playing basketball. So, yeah, I think it's important that Tuatara get back on TV, get back to winning, and, and it builds it from there. First two rounds are uh, on the road this time round, uh, Brisbane Bandits and then the Canberra Cavalry. Uh, not till um, round three that you have your shop window at home on the shore. Yeah, so we we probably designed a little bit that way because of, you know, the weather can be a little uh, hit and miss, as you know, this time of the year in, in Auckland. So I said, why don't we, and, and also I want to reduce the travel down because of, you know, going across backwards and forwards across the, the ditch can be quite tiresome, but also it's so expensive, right? I mean, they're talking airfares are up 70%, and I, I can concur they are. So I said, look, why don't we be on the road for two weeks, reduce our travel so a home, um, you know, we're home for a longer period and also it's a better experience for those guys that are coming in from overseas. They can spend 10 days during Christmas uh, in New Zealand. But anyway, um, so yeah, the 25th, which is Friday night, that's our first game um, and that's against Sydney and uh, that's Steve Mintz's birthday and I think it might even be Thanksgiving. So, you know, we've got a few things sort of planned for there and, uh, you know, as I keep on talking about, we've got our dancing grannies along that night. So, um Avita Retirement Home sponsoring our um, our cheerleaders who are coming from the retirement home. So it should be some good fun on that night. <laughs> that sounds like a hell of a promotion. Hey, uh, I've got to ask. <laughs> it really does. Regan, um, can I can I ask you too, um, yep. goals, goals, top of the whiteboard, goals for the season, playoffs, title holders, what, yep. what are your aspirations in reality? Uh, yeah, yeah. So make the playoffs, and that, that's what we need to do. Um, and, you know, once you make the playoffs, then the whole thing starts again. As I talked about, you know, there's the, the, the start, the middle, and then the end. So, you know, people do it, oh, we want to win this. I'm like, no, no, you've got to make the playoffs before you can win anything, and then it's how you match up on those playoffs. So, yeah, we, we've put a team together, coaching staff, 
Um, you know, the Washington Nationals are sending us two top 20 prospects, uh, and we'll reveal a bit more than that in the next few days, along as well as a coach. Their farm director's coming down. The Padres' um, farm director's coming down, as well as they're sending us a coach. So there should be enough support there uh, for us, and the team looks like we should be competitive enough to make the playoffs, and then once you make the playoffs, it all starts again. Sounds fascinating. It sounds encouraging. It sounds exciting. Regan Wood, always great to talk to you. I love the way you portray your, your two sports uh, in such a positive fashion. Uh, thanks for joining us, and all the best with the last-minute preparations. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about what we're doing. Yep, cheers. Uh, Regan Wood there, of course, the CEO of Auckland Tuatara, wears uh, a couple of hats throughout a calendar year and does them both brilliantly well. It is uh, 9.22, and uh, we shall take a break. When we come back, Logan Swinkles will give us a breakdown on what is happening in that Tongan PNG game. Massive. OK, we'll be back soon. NZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. NBA, NBA starts today and uh, we will be talking to George Berry uh, after 9.30. Um, of course, a musician, but NBA pundit as well. And uh, about um, happenings in the NBA, there's been um, some big signings. There's also been a punch-up or two. It's just been uh, great. A lot of fun. Uh, speaking of uh, a lot of fun, how about um, Tonga and uh, PNG? Logan Swinkles, what has happened there? Wow, it, it's all over now, Smithy. Final score, 24-18 to Mate Ma'atonga. So PNG really hung in there. But Akolo Matangi scored the winning try there in the 77th minute. But PNG can really hold their head up high. You know how much they love their footy over there. Guys like Justin mm. Ollum are just, like, they're idolised over there. It's incredible how much following they have. So there's one more game to go in the first round of the Rugby League World Cup, and it's Wales v Cook Islands. And if you go by what the TAB are predicting, it's uh, very much in the Cook Islands' favour at thirteen, while Wales are at 5.40, which, to be fair, with some of the names there, Smithy, on the Cook Islands team, uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> Can we draw a parallel between uh, Samoa's disappointing uh, first performance and uh, Tonga being pushed to the absolute limit here, or are we just uh, by doing that are we disrespecting Papua New Guinea? I I would say the latter. To be fair, I mean I think Samoa was a real shock to a lot of people, the team included. Whereas I mean PNG, this was very heavily spirited, but this is a great matchup between between uh, between sorry the two proud nations there. So I, I think this is a great result overall in the World Cup. This has been an awesome one to watch. And Vossi was calling that one. No doubt he was really loving it too. So, no, I would say the Samoa result was definitely more of a shock. This one, this was just great for the game, I think. And the good thing is uh, I like this format too. It's a game on every day, uh, you know, and I, I just think you never it never goes to sleep. The rugby league, uh, even on the other side of the world, it doesn't appear to be going to sleep at any point. Um, so maybe there's a lesson or two to be learnt there but uh, looking forward to uh, some more crucial games coming up um, not so much for us, I think what have we got Jamaica and Ireland which should be absolute lay down Mazias but um, uh, could, they could be cricket scores but ha- having said that they're still building talent and then all of a sudden you hit the wall when it becomes playoff time and who knows when you get to that point. It is 9.30 here on SENZ, uh, take some uh, news from uh, Araha and as I said George Berry after that
Well, that's the really cool sound of the butlers and their song, Why Are We Always Waiting? But we don't have to wait much longer for the NBA season to start with two games tipping off today. Uh, The Boston Celtics playing the Philadelphia 76ers before the defending champion Golden State Warriors welcome in LeBron James and the LA Lakers. Uh, On the line with us now is a musician and NBA pundit, George Berry. You just heard him singing there. Uh, Welcome back to uh, SENZ Mornings. Uh, George, thanks for joining us. Morning, Smithy. Happy NBA day and thanks for the uh, music shout out there, mate. Much appreciated. Outstanding. I love it. Love the sound. Uh, George, before we get on to the actual action on the court, there's been plenty of it with the Golden State Warriors, including uh, a punch-up between uh, Dre, uh, Dramond Green and uh, Jordan Paul, uh, and then two massive signings, two massive signings. Let's deal with the punch-up first and the leaked video around the incident. Yeah, it's a bit of, a, it's a bit of an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, you've heard um, even the Warriors coach Steve Kerr come out in the wake of this and say that you know, this is not a, a rare thing for teams to go through. Even Steve Kerr himself got punched by Michael Jordan back in the day. But in this day and age, with you know, video and technology so such a key part of, of, of teams and their identity and looking back, I mean, videos can get leaked and as soon as they get onto social media, it makes it a whole different kettle of fish from, from anything that happened back in the day. Uh, it's a pretty massive issue, and especially in a year where Draymond Green is, this is a contract year for him, and, and he'll want to impress the team and his and his on-court performances and, and as well carrying himself off the court and he's definitely not got off to a good start and I, I don't know whether this is something that they can just move on from. I mean, tonight uh, well, today, this afternoon for us is a pretty big night for them getting um, their championship rings from last season but I don't know, in terms of a culture and especially a dynasty for the Warriors, I don't know if this is something they can either you know just move on from and look to get another championship or whether this is something that's just going to hang over them for the rest of the season, it's going to be really, really interesting to to see how they how they deal with it. Two hundred and forty nine million dollars worth of signings uh, between split between Andrew Wiggins at one hundred nine million and the aforesaid uh, Justin Jordan Paul, I'm sorry, at one hundred and forty million dollars. Wow, that's big spending. That means they don't mind the luxury tax. They. They are the highest-paying luxury tax team. If, if all their players, if Draymond Green ended up getting a, a contract extension, I think the books will be somewhat close to $500 million for all their players, which is absurd. But, I mean, their owner has said he's not afraid to, you know, bring out the big bucks to keep his players and, and you know, kind of maintain a, a historic dynasty there in Golden State. So it'll be super, super interesting to see what happens this year. I think... Of all the years that they've they've been going in this dynasty, this year will be the one where a lot of attention, media-wise and fan-wise, is put on them to see how they deal with this. If they can get another championship locked in, then you might see Draymond Green sticking around or someone like a Clay Thompson taking a bit of a cheaper deal to, to keep the books a bit lighter and keep everyone on board. But this year will be super, super interesting to watch in terms of how the Warriors deal with all the outside noise, the on-court performances, you know, the off-season scuffle that happened. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how they deal with all of this. Of course, there's a lot of interest in Stephen Adams, but uh, the other Kiwi who's had uh, plenty to deal with uh, in the pre-season and uh, mid-season has been, uh, of course, Sean Marks. Uh, interesting uh, time as the GM of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, he's been battling drama around Kevin Durant. Uh, Durant says, uh, get rid of uh, Marks, get rid of Steve Nash, uh, how did they come out of that situation? Well, it sounded like Sean Marks, well, I, I saw he had an interview with 
New sub Alex Chapman maybe two or three weeks ago, and he said kind of jokingly that all it took was a bottle of New Zealand red wine to, to kind of ease all the tensions. But I think it's a lot more than that, to be honest, Smithy. I, I don't know how their season's going to go. There's so much talent, and they actually had a pretty good off-season in terms of signings around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They got some really good role players in who can really complement their abilities on the court, especially Kevin Durant. A lot of good stretch wings, a lot of good scoring guards, the likes of Royce O'Neal coming in, uh, who's a really good defensive player to back them up, especially Kyrie Irving, who's not too good on the defensive end of the floor. But if, if things don't go their way, don't be surprised to see Kyrie Irving on the trading block. I think the reason Kyrie Irving wasn't traded this offseason was simply because there wasn't a suitable trade out there for Sean Marks to, to pull trigger on, essentially. And I I don't know. It's, it's they're, they're such a hard team to, to predict for this season. And you know, to be quite honest, in terms of a, a general manager role, I don't feel I don't feel I, I feel very sorry for Sean Marks is, is probably the best way to say it. I, I don't want his job. It's having big personalities like that, it's just not easy to deal with. Well, one of them he's going to have to deal with has just uh, recently come to his club, of course, uh, out of the 76ers, where he was basically uh, a big signing, non-playing. Brat, I think it's the easiest way to sum up Ben Simmons, the Australian, uh, who couldn't, who cannot uh, shoot, he cannot shoot free throws. And I mean, he just held them to ransom last year. So here's another issue for Sean Marks to get through. Too right, you know, just another big personality for the mix. I didn't even think about mentioning just before you mentioned him then, and it's probably because he's been relatively invisible until now. He has been playing some preseason games. He actually does look pretty good. His defense is world class, and he has been an All NBA, you know, player, defensive of the year candidate, and is when he actually does go on the court. But again, will he, will his personality, you know, clash with the big personalities like Kevin Durant, who, you know, as long as he's on the team, he's the alpha, he's running the show. And you know, if they don't get off to a good start, if they get off to you know their first ten games, even if they're, you know, not five hundred, not even even playing field, don't be surprised to see. Steve Nash's name on the shopping block in terms of coaching names. Okay, right, let's uh, look at uh, Stephen Adams. He's uh, proven to be a valuable piece of the puzzle for the Memphis Grizzlies. $25.2 million, two-year extension locked in. Uh, how big do you see his role being the big this year for them? I'm really happy for Stephen Adams that he's finally got a chance to kind of just be pretty much not only just who he wants to be on the court, but as a as a person in a, in a really good culture and really good environment. He's 29 years old. He probably seems like he's about 35 just by how he plays and how he carries himself. But being 29 years old, he's the oldest active playing member on that roster, which just goes to show that they are a really young team, but they're a really gelled team. Um, I've heard a lot of people in America describe the team as almost like a bit of a high school college team. They, When they're not on the court, they're spending every minute off the court together. They're really, really tight. And you can even see in off-season videos with Stephen Adams, he just seems really, really comfortable, really happy. And you didn't see that in New Orleans for that year that he was there. I guess you saw it in the Thunder, but he was still kind of trying to find himself as a player and in the league. Um, and he was also, you know, with the likes of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. So didn't really have a chance to probably be himself and had to kind of just, you know, go with what was going on there with the big the big names there. But I can just see him really flourishing as a leader and also just really flourishing in his role as just, you know, making sure the rebounds are there, cleaning up the floor, being a really big presence inside. 
people like him are really hard to come by in the league now, and I think that that extension is a bit of a pay cut for him, but I think he just saw that he's in the right place at the right time, and I'm really happy for him, and I think Memphis have got a really good chance to make some noise. I remember last year, the first time we spoke to Smithy Memphis were in an absolute dive. They were looking like they were going to almost be tanking and, and looking for a high draft pick at the end of the year, but then they turned it around, and they're now the, I think they're on the TAB. I'm not a betting man, but I had a quick look, and I think they've got the fourth or fifth best odds to win the West, and it's pretty impressive. I think it's a $9.50 uh, odds to, to win the West. So, I mean, good betting if, if you want to throw some money that way. So, Stephen Adams, the only Kiwi in the NBA, George, but uh, there are some uh, Aussie names worth keeping an eye on as well out of uh, the young guns. Uh, who do you see having a bigger season? Uh, Josh Giddy with uh, the Thunder? Or Dyson Daniels at New Orleans? Josh Kitty will have a big season. Obviously, there's a lot of teams that are looking to not play particularly well to get a high draft pick next year with this this man, LeBron James Point, is the alien victim, Wimbayama, a French man, 18 years old, and people are saying he's the best prospect the NBA has ever seen. He's a seven foot five guy who can shoot the three-pointer and pretty much just shoot from anywhere on the court. He's incredible. So a lot of teams are going to be... A lot of teams that see themselves as not contending for a championship are probably going to be looking to try and get a high draft pick just to secure him. I think the Thunder will be amongst that list, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Giddy playing an extremely, extremely good season. Not an all-star yet, mainly just because of his team's lack of success, but he'll have a really solid season. In terms of Dyson Daniels, I don't know if there'll be a lot of playing time for him. If he impresses the coach, then um, he'll definitely get some playing time. But New Orleans is just is stacked. They've got an incredible team, and I think they'll be a little bit of a sleeper team for the Western Conference, especially with Zion Williamson coming back, who people kind of forget is just also like Victor Wynn-Binyama, a bit of an alien. Like He is just an incredible physical marvel on the court. Um, and now he's back healthy, and I wouldn't be surprised if um, New Orleans make a, a really big push in the playoffs. You know, when uh, the greats can carry on and people say, is it one season too many? Uh, we're going to see early signs of LeBron James today. Um, I just wonder what we can expect from him and the Lakers this year, George? It's a really good question, Smithy. I feel like this question gets has been brought up for the last two or three years. But even last year, you could see somewhat of a really incremental decline. But he was still averaging 30 points a game. And not a lot of people are scoring that many points per game, be it at 38 years old. It's, it, it is extremely, extremely impressive. And he's really close to being the NBA's all-time leading scorer. I think he's uh, maybe about 1,200 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And that'll probably happen in the new year, maybe near the All-Star break. So he's got something to really strive towards, which will definitely show um, in his scoring averages. I think they'll be just as high as last year, if not higher. So I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting one. And the Lakers are such an interesting team because they've got nothing to lose, really. They, they, they need to win with LeBron at 38 and Anthony Davis, who really needs to prove that he can stay on the court. He's just a bit of a, a, bit of a walking injury as Anthony Davis for the last few seasons. He needs to impress and Russell Westbrook needs to show that he can actually be an NBA player and actually be a team player and there's been talks that he might even come off the bench this year with their new coach, Darvin Ham. He's really looking to make some moves for the sake of just trying to win a championship. Whether Russell Westbrook, you know, actually sees himself coming off the bench or not will be the big move. And whether he, if he doesn't, then I think he'll be on the trading block. They've been trying to trade him for probably the last six, eight months, especially over the off-season. 
Give us a bolter to look out for. Give us a, a, a team that you think might just sneak up on us this year, George. I'll give you one in each conference, Smithy. I mentioned New Orleans in the Western Conference. I think that will be a really interesting one to watch and a really fun team to watch with Zion there. They traded for CJ McCollum, who is an all-star guard. He, he'll be starting there. And Brandon Ingram, who was on the Lakers and got traded for Anthony Davis you know, three or four years ago. He's an incredible player. Um, plays pretty much exactly like Kobe. Um, an, an incredible, incredible player that a lot of people sleep on. So I think that'll be a bolter in the West, in the East. I really like the look of the Toronto Raptors, um, which I know producer Logan will like. Um, I think they're, they haven't made big moves, but they've just kept a lot of their really good players. And when you have continuity in a team, especially when you're playing 82-game seasons, it really speaks volumes. And they've got so many good assets to make a big trade. They were in the trading sweepstakes for Kevin Durant over the offseason when he wanted out of the Brooklyn Nets. And don't be surprised if they pick up a, a sneaky good player during the season too. So those are my two picks for you, Smithy. Good on you, George. Absolute pleasure talking to you and getting your update. Uh, so look forward to it. Uh, tip off this afternoon. There'll be a great ceremony too for uh, the Golden State Warriors getting their uh, championship rings from last year. And let's hope that uh, the action is all on the court from their point of view. George, always fantastic uh, uh, hearing from you, mate. And we'll just uh, we'll sign off with a bit of you as well, I think, this morning. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Go well. Double eight double three is our text number. The sermon this morning was about letting the All Blacks just be the All Blacks, and that means, uh, for me anyway, just the, the All Black team. Uh, don't dilute it by giving the All Black tag to other teams and just becoming a tag or a label. I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, Ryan has come in and said, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, you, you know, I just think it's, I just think personally, uh, if I was an all-black, uh, past all-black, and all of a sudden I see all these all-black tags being atta- attached to other sides playing in sevens competitions, um, you know, just uh, invitation teams really who are heading away for a joint to, to play Island A, for instance. Goodness me, they're playing Island A. They're not, uh, you know, uh, they're not Ireland, they're Island A. It's a, it's a clear discerning tag away from it. And I just think, from from my point of view, the All Blacks are the All Blacks, they all, always will be, and I hope it never changes, but it just should it should pertain to the number one side. Uh, football updates, uh, Crystal Palace leading Wolves 2-1 at the moment in the EPL, and game just finished uh, a little earlier, Brighton and Forest through in the Lawl, and on that subject uh, we shall be talking to the one, the only, Ricardo Ball after 10 o'clock uh, with his thoughts on a massively busy EPL week. It is, they've got 
overtime games every day and a truckload of them. Fantastic. Back shortly. Saturdays are for the punt. You know that by now, so join us on The Good Oil for just that. The Good Oil. Each Saturday from 1pm on SCNZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, yesterday we had a multi which was incomplete because the baseball game was, uh, in effect, uh, postponed until today. And that was Yankees uh, against the Guardians game five. I can tell you that's being played now. The Chargers did get up. Netherlands got up to beat Namibia. I thought that was a shot side of $2.40. I couldn't believe the odds there. Uh, but the Yankees, uh, the good news is the Yankees are leading the Guardians 4-0 in the third innings here. So 5.56. Today, we'll go the Phillies to beat the Padres, another crucial playoff game this afternoon. In the Cricket World Cup, the qualifiers, Ireland to beat Scotland at $1.62. The West Indies to beat Zimbabwe at $1.33. Phillies, Ireland, West Indies, $4.20 today. $5.56 for yesterday. Could be a good middle part to the week. Ricardo is next here on SENZ. 1476 AM in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Football world never goes to sleep, whether you follow the EPL, the Bundesliga, the A-League, or you're just binge watching Welcome to Wrexham, or maybe Sunderland Till I Die. There's always football on your screen. It's a wonder that some of us get any sleep ourselves, including our next guest, who is also our next host in terms of uh, my show anyway, and that, of course, is uh, Ricardo Ball, who goes in uh, to this seat tomorrow and takes over to the duration of the T20 Cricket World Cup from here on in. So, hey, Ricardo, uh, the last morning that you can relax before the nerves kick in tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> yes, Smithy. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be up uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed to, tomorrow morning and in there bright and early with uh, Logan and Brian and the team uh, trying to figure out how we are uh, going to deliver what you deliver week in, week out. Oh, yeah, yeah, good on you. We stopped doing each other's pockets, uh, and you know what you call it. What do you do? And you know we've stopped that. Uh, here's the thing: <laughs> a couple of uh, EPL games this morning, and I've just been watching actually Crystal Palace of uh, Crystal Palace and uh, Wolves. Wolves leading one 0 Crystal Palace came back two uh, one. They're leading at the moment with about a minute to go. Uh, Guilty's chance just missed from uh, Wolves' point of view. And in the other one, uh, Forrest getting a, a relatively valuable point, I suppose, drawing with Brighton. Yeah, they did. It was um, yeah, a good result for, for Forrest. I think Brighton will be um, a little bit concerned. Um, I mean, a point for them at home, but they absolutely dominated possession. They dominated shots on target. They didn't score. And, you know, since uh, Graham Potter left, they have struggled on that front to third game in a row that they haven't scored. So a bit of work to do there for, for Brighton, but a good point for Forrest. Uh, they do, though, look uh, a little bit toothless going forward. Uh, there seems to be a real disconnect between the midfield and the front line. Um, I know Je- Jesse Lingard uh, played in the 10 role all, all day today, but he didn't really have much to do. Um, he didn't get a lot of ball in a lot of good places, and 
you know, you wonder um, from a creativity point of view and creating chances uh, how uh, Steve Cooper is going to fix that because it's something that uh, Forrest definitely need to look at. I mean, that point has drawn them level with Leicester, but they're still at the bottom of the table, those two teams. So uh, a bit of work to do yet for Forrest. And, yeah, Wolves are another team struggling to score goals. So uh, important for them this morning that they took the lead, but then they haven't been able to defend that. Now they're 2-1 down away from home. Uh, five minutes of injury time left, and I, I expect Crystal Palace will hold it out here. Okay, uh, that would be good news for Palace fans, but uh, for everyone else, um, aside, aside from the fact that Arsenal and Man City is postponed uh, going into tomorrow, there are still uh, five games, including uh, a real bottler between you and me, Manchester United hosting Spurs. Yeah, that's going to be a great game tomorrow at Old Trafford. Um, and, you know, we talk about teams struggling to score goals. Well, I think Manchester United are one of those teams, you know, against Newcastle on the weekend, probably should have won that game, had the chances to, didn't uh, didn't put them away. And uh, that is something that I think United Board is going to have to look at and uh, they're going to have to decide whether or not they go into the transfer market in January because United look like they desperately need a striker at the moment. I mean, uh, Anthony Martial uh, started the, the pre-season really well. He scored four and three and then got injured and couldn't start the season. Cristiano Ronaldo was off the pace. He hadn't, uh, he wasn't fit to start the season. He's 37 and can't play the way Ten Hag wants to play. And then, you know, obviously Mason Greenwood, um, who was arrested uh, under sexual um, assault allegations and things and hasn't been part of the team this season. So United really struggling uh, in that department for an out-and-out nine. On the other side of things, you know, Spurs probably... Uh, they have one of the best nines in the competition and Harry Kane. It's just everything behind that is uh, maybe not quite functioning as well as they would like. They are struggling to create chances for Kane. So it's uh, it's two teams that have opposite problems. One's creating plenty and not taking them and the other one's not creating enough uh, for the guy that does put the ball in the back of the net. So, yeah, it'd be intriguing to see how that plays out. OK, the other uh, big one tomorrow. I guess they're all big ones if you're fans of the club, but Liverpool-West Ham. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see whether or not Jurgen Klopp's on the sideline for this one because he did get shown a red mm. card in the last game. Uh, but I don't. I, I see they haven't decided on exactly what the punishment would be um, for that, um, for showing dissent towards the referee. Normally, from how I understand it, it's an automatic one-match ban anyway. So I wouldn't expect him to be there. Um, and be interested to see what difference that makes and who takes uh, charge of the team. Although Klopp has been saying that because... Uh, they, there hasn't been an official word he expects to be able to be sidelined for West Ham, which would be interesting, um, particularly given all the uh, you know sort of chat about how Liverpool get treated a little bit differently in the Premier League. So it'd be one to watch. But uh, you know West Ham are a very good side. I think they're a better a better side than what we've seen this season. And I, I think uh, Scamacca, the new Italian striker they've got, uh, is one to is one to watch. David Moyes has sort of drip fed him into the team, but he's starting to get more and more game time you know he's six foot four he's good on the floor he's a bit of a, a Zlatan type player and uh yeah I, I think he will definitely give uh Virgil van Dijk and co a, a run for their money so yeah that'll be a really interesting game to watch uh later on in the week uh Fulham Aston Villa Leicester leads and uh, for Leicester languishing with just five points uh at this stage of the competition problem after problem for Leicester yeah, yeah, they've got a lot of a lot of problems, and and I, I'm you know we've talked before that there's something going on there. It seems that uh, it's all tied into financial fair play, 
and they've been trying to manage this squad and, and make sure that they don't uh, breach the financial fair play regulations. Uh, hence, why they didn't really sign anybody in the in the preseason, and they you know they they cashed it on for Fana for seventy million. Interesting though that um, Amati is getting preferred at centre back uh, to Sainchu. I mean, Sainchu is a Turkish international. Uh, he's a centre back. That's a specialist position, and they're playing a defensive midfielder ahead of him. So I don't know if that's a personality thing with Brendan Rodgers, um, but it certainly hasn't helped them. Uh, I think we're seeing Father Time finally catch up with Jamie Vardy. He's not starting games anymore. He's coming on to finish them. And between Ian Acho and and Dax and uh, uh, sorry Past and Daka, um, they just don't have a lot of experience up front at the moment, Leicester. So I, I think they're struggling on a few a few accounts. But I think yeah, you know if you look at it, you know with guys like Harvey Elliott, uh, sorry Harvey Barnes and uh, James Madison and Yuri Tillemans in midfield, but they've got a lot of firepower and a lot of creativity. So I expect Leicester will be all right. I think they'll come out of this, and I, I think there's every chance that Leeds is. Uh, a game that they will win, and that will start the uh, the resurgence because Leeds have really been struggling under Jesse Marsh. I don't think they've won in the last seven. So uh, I, I expect if you if you're looking for uh, to be a decent return at the TAB at the moment, I would imagine I'll, I'd look at Leicester. I, I think they'll, they'll probably win that game. Okay, interesting. Uh, incidentally, Palace have just got up. They've held on a couple of desperate goal mouth. Uh, Scrambles, but uh, Zaha's winner has uh, got them home. Okay, let's uh, look at um, uh, the weekend as well. Just, just uh, by the by, why such a busy program uh, in these ten day, this ten day window? Well, well, it's because of the World Cup, basically. Um, so you got the World Cup, which is meaning that they have to break early and they have to they don't they don't play through November December, effectively, and so that's that's an issue. But you've also got the um, issue with uh, Queen Elizabeth II passing away and then suspending a round and a half of games. So they're having to catch those games up and that's why it's it's so um, so busy at the moment. There's so many games in so short a period of time. And, you know, this could have an impact, I think, too, Smithy, on the World Cup because they're playing so many games to fit the World Cup in. I think it's taking its toll on players. They had a short pre-season. They had a short off-season uh, they're back into it and they're having to play a lot of games in a short period of time. I mean, we saw Diago uh, Jota go down uh, against Manchester City in injury time for Liverpool on the weekend. Well, Jurgen Klopp's confirmed that he's completely done his calf and he's going to miss the World Cup. Uh, Luis Diaz, the uh, the other winger that they brought in last season, um, who's really taken uh, Sadio Mane's place, he's um, injured his thigh and it sounds like he's going to miss the World Cup as well. We've seen this morning that N'Golo Kante, the Chelsea midfielder, uh, confirmed that he's going to miss the World Cup. Looks like probably Reese James from Chelsea and Kyle Walker from Man City are going to miss the World Cup with injuries. So, yeah, the injuries are mounting and uh, it takes its toll. Okay, so during that window where there is no Premier League football, I mean, you can't just let a squad go to sleep. Those players that aren't involved in the World Cup, what do managers do in in that regard? I think you'll see, uh, I mean, they'll, they'll probably give the players a break initially. They'll probably give them a couple of weeks. Uh, just to refresh because it has been such a tight schedule. They haven't had much of a pre-season. But then I think you will see almost like another mini pre-season and probably a lot of those clubs will uh, start playing each other or playing clubs from other top uh, leagues in Europe uh, just to keep the football in the legs and just to get them ready for when they come back from the World Cup. I haven't seen anything official yet, but I assume that's what they'll do. Right, can we look at um, domestically here? From the Phoenix point of view, um, an okay start to the season as such. Um, they've had some pretty good news overnight where uh, 
Suss is uh, has had his suspension reduced from three weeks down to two, which makes him available the weekend after this. And they've got uh, Newcastle away this weekend. Yeah, Newcastle away should be uh, should be an interesting test. Uh, Newcastle didn't play the first week because of a saturated pitch, so their first round game was um, was postponed. Uh, that they'll make that up in December. Uh, Central Coast Mariners, uh, sorry, they beat Perth Glory last week. Um, so last weekend, so they've started with a win, and there's a yeah, there's a bit of a story there too. James McGarry, the former Phoenix player, is their starting left back at the moment. Uh, Josh Tutorio, who was a you know a Phoenix stalwart the last couple of seasons, is playing over there, as so is Reno Piscopo. So there's a there's a there's a few stories there to be told um, because there's a there's a bunch of guys who know each other pretty well, and uh, it's going to be an interesting match actually. I think I, I think it'll be a, a great test for the Phoenix. They do need to get three points, I think. Um, sooner rather than later because I think if you'd said to Ufuk Tale you got two home games to start you got Adelaide and Central Coast he would have been targeting probably four points from the first two games you know you've got to, you've got to dominate at home uh, they haven't managed to do that they've only got two points from two draws and while they haven't lost I think uh, they will, they'll be looking at the table and thinking right well we need to really need to cement ourselves in that top six and that they need to start getting wins on the on the board and turning these draws into wins uh, interesting. Uh, the cha- I was just looking at the championship table. There's a real logjam. Uh, this is the uh, the second level of uh, British football, folks. By the by, uh, Burnley 25, Sheffield United 25, Norwich 25, Blackburn 25, QPR 24. That's going to be a very um, you know when you look at this, what's involved there in terms of payment to get back into the Premier League. That is going to be one heck of a competition to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's great the the championship. I mean, they they often say it's the hardest league in the world to get out of because it, it, it's just uh, so competitive. There are so many teams in there that have got Premier League experience. There are so many big clubs down there. You know, I mean, you consider that we've got Nottingham Forest in the in the Premier League this season, Smithy, for the first time since the ninety nine two thousand season. Uh, that's how long it's taken Forrest to get out of that division. And, and you know, Forrest are a, a genuinely a big club. I mean, they've won two European titles. They've won the first division in England previously, you know, uh, before it was re- re- uh, branded as the Premier League. It's a tough league to get out of. Uh, I mean, even, I tell you what, look at the bottom of the, that league. West Bromwich Albion, who for so long were called the Boing Boing Baggies because they were up one season, down the next, but they were always there or thereabouts. Too good for the championship, not quite good enough for the Premier League. Well, they're in the relegation zone at the moment. Uh, Birmingham City are down there. So are Hull City, who are recently a Premier League team. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough, tough league. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that league plays out. I think it'll go down to the wire this season. You're uh, hosting, of course, um, Phoenix Nation here on SENZ. What do you have on this week, mate? Uh, well, we've got Ufuk Tale actually this week, uh, which would be good to get his take. Now he's got a he's had a couple of weeks to look at the team in anger, um, you know, in competition proper. So uh, so that'll be good. Uh, we'll also talk because uh, the uh, the Phoenix women don't start till November. Uh, we're also keeping an eye on what the Rizzies are doing in the National League. Um, so we hopefully have the captain of the reserve team on, um, who are all young players coming through that Phoenix system, and we can uh, get to know him a bit better and see how that team is uh, is ticking along. They've had two draws and a loss so far, but they've been in all of those games. Um, they're probably uh, kicking themselves a bit. They don't have a couple of wins because they've had lead games late and thrown, uh, thrown away three points both times. So we'll do that, and uh, we're hoping to have Carl Jenkinson 
the former Arsenal player who uh, now plays at Newcastle, as uh, we always try and have a member of the opposition on the week before as well. So I'm hoping to have him on the show. So uh, it'd be good to, to get his thoughts on the A-League and, uh, and maybe how his old club's going in the Premier League as well. Ricardo, on the subject of uh, Ufi Tele, how quickly do uh, New Zealand football have to act on a, on a replacement for Danny Hay? And um, where does Ufi sit as far as you're concerned? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough one. I, I think that this, this um, job is reasonably uh, attractive now because as we go into the next World Cup cycle, Oceania have an automatic um, qualification. So you and Oceania, you're at the next World Cup. Um, so you would think that that would make it more attractive uh, to potential coaches. It's just on New Zealand football uh, to convince the players and to convince whoever the new coach is that it's a good idea and to put a decent program together so that they're playing every window. Now, we know they're not going to be playing at the beginning of November, uh, but they have said they will be playing in March. It looks like September they might not play but due to there might be Olympic qualifying, so it might be an Olympic uh, qualifying window, that one, uh, from a New Zealand point of view. But I, I think uh, there's a chance that we could attract maybe some uh, better level coaches than we've been able to do in the past, given that we have automatic qualification for the World Cup as a as a genuine possibility. Ufuk Tale, for me, I don't like the idea of having uh, a coach of a domestic, the only domestic professional team in the country also coaching the national team, I think, uh, I, I think it's too much of a conflict of interest, particularly in terms of, you know, whoever's coaching the, the top side uh, for New Zealand football will also have a say on how the under-20s look and how the under-17s look. And uh, then you maybe you're shutting out some of the other academies who have done such good work, like the OLA Academy or Winners Academy, because you tend to just focus on your own. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't want Ufuk in the job. Um, not to say he's a bad coach, I think he's doing a reasonably good job with the Phoenix, but I don't think he plays the way Danny plays. I'd, I'd like to see a more attacking coach, more like Danny. I think he's a bit more negative, he's a bit more defensive, Ufuk Tele. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see New Zealand football go in a different direction. Cool. OK, Ricardo, um, all I've got to say to you is uh, good luck over the next uh, t- couple of weeks, uh, and don't be late. Please don't be late. And thanks for your help this morning. <laughs> no worries, mate. Go well, travel well, and good luck at the World Cup, eh? Yeah, cheers. Uh, hopefully we can bring it home. Uh, Ricardo Borlea is uh, hosting uh, mornings on SENZ uh, for the next two to three weeks, depending on the length of the Cricket World Cup from New Zealand's point of view. 10.19, panel next. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. We have uh, Aidan McLaughlin out of Havelock North and Andrew Gordy out of uh, Convalescing Bay, somewhere in Auckland. I don't know exactly his address and I won't put that out publicly because uh, you'll be all over trying to go around and see him and take him flowers and wish him all the best. So I won't won't, uh, extend that any further. Andrew Gordy, good morning to you. Uh, We always ask you how you're going. Are you running around the block yet? Not not running around the block. I've just I've just been for a, for a brisk walk though. That's about where I'm at uh, at the moment, Smithy. Um, and just in terms of my location, I'm a, I'm a strange one of those strange hybrids. Um, you know, Auckland but um, out of Christchurch kind of thing. So yeah, bit of a bit of a mess there. Okay, we'll leave it on that theme then. Oh, Canterbury versus Wellington. Leave Canterbury versus Wellington um, was low down on my pecking order, but since you brought it up uh, this weekend, it's uh, going to be big down in Christchurch. 
It's going to be huge down in Christchurch, Nathan. I really think I need to seize on this opportunity to raise with your listeners. I'm not sure if, if everyone's aware of this. Um, but Canterbury is absolutely dominating uh, the finals this, this weekend across the board. I think, you know, we've got Canterbury, we've got Mid-Canterbury and South Canterbury all involved. And, you know, I, I, I know you'll be a big fan of me raising this, Smithy, but it really does highlight just what a, what a stronghold of, of, of the great game uh, Canterbury is. Um, and we've got, we've got a lot to thank Canterbury for, the Canterbury region, for, um, you know, bulking up, I suppose, and, and holding up um, the 15-man code in this nation. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, God, pass me a bucket. What, what's going on there? <laughs> Good Godfather. Jesus. I, <laughs> I mean, that, that is the sure sign of a man who's got too much time to think at the moment. That's what I can say. <laughs> Good look, Godfather. Um, look, on, on a more serious note, on a more serious note, it's, gonna be, it's actually going to be a cracking final, isn't it? I think both of these, I mean, we've got the right finalists for a start, haven't we? Canterbury and Wellington have been yep. two outstanding teams of this competition this year. Um, and and I suppose you know, especially given that Canterbury's hosting it, it's re- it's really on them to deliver. But you know, without question, you know, I've got some uh, pretty horrible memories of uh, that I'm regularly reminded of actually by Wellington fans that they have beaten Canterbury in, a, in one or two finals over the years. Um, and I'm sure there's a few players in this team that, that in this Wellington team in particular um, that have a bit of a, a point proof perhaps to to national selectors. Um, mm. TJ Pedernada being one of them, and, and probably Julian Savia being another. Um, you know, the drums have been beating a, a little bit for Julian Savia, haven't they? So, um, look, his form's been impressive. Um, and, look, they'll, they'll love nothing more than going down to the O3 and, uh, and causing a bit of an upset down there. But, look, it's hard to, for me, especially, it's hard to look past uh, Canterbury. And I, I certainly hope George Bridge goes out on a high. Just on that note, I think it's a little bit sad, actually. Like, I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago that George Bridge was, was, a, was a starting all black, wasn't he? I mean, his form was, was absolutely outstanding. And it just shows, I suppose... And, and highlights the depth of stock we have in our outside backs that a, that a talent like George Bridge, who I'm sure he would agree his form um, has slipped. But we know there's a talented player there, and at 27 years old, he's heading offshore, heading over to, to Montpellier. And, um, you know, on one hand, you can look at it as uh, almost kind of a case of what might have been for George Bridge, but equally, it's, it's hard to argue that he, he is on the outer um, of, the, of the, uh, the mind of the All Black selectors, and, and it is hard to imagine him getting into an all-black squad for next year. You know, you'd almost need like a, a 2011 Rugby World Cup scenario where you, you saw, you know, Dan Carter, Colin Slade and Pity Weeper all drop out for, for um, you know, Stephen to come, uh, come in and, uh, and save the day. It would need something similar to that, I think, to get George Bridge back in the frame. So wish him all the best and certainly yeah. hope he goes out on a high. Yeah, that would be George Bridge out of uh, Hawke's Bay, of course, out of Lindisfarne College. Uh, just throwing that in. Uh, right, uh, let's get to uh, Aidan McLaughlin and uh, get some more balance in the show. Um, Silver Ferns, Aidan McLaughlin, um, they can uh, wrap up the Constellation Cup tonight. Uh, they can win the first three against Australia, and I've got to say, I did not see this coming. Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning, Andrew. And um, <clears throat> Andrew, thank you for just reminding us all that uh, Canterbury are set to be the, the Penrith Panthers of... Uh, domestic rugby this season in New Zealand, so thank you for that. Um, yeah, Silver Ferns, yeah, great start over those first couple of games, wasn't it? A uh, few changes for the for, for the return fixtures over in Australia. Uh, I know that um, Dame Nolene is looking to rotate the squad a bit. She's looking to build a bit of depth, and the likes of uh, Sula Fitzpatrick and Peter Toyaba staying at home, and Maddie, Maddie Gordon and Ellie Toomey are, are going over. Um, but 
what's interesting to me is not only the the chance to win the Constellation Cup, but the circumstances surrounding the Diamonds at the moment. You know, there's, there's a bit of disarray in the in the camp there with this uh, this sponsorship storm. So it's going to be interesting to see how those Diamonds actually respond to everything that's going on around them at the moment. And it could well be that it's, a, it's just a great opportunity for the Silver Ferns to get in there and get that third win in a row. It's going to be really interesting. It is, actually. Uh, we'll take a, a short break. We've got Aidan McLaughlin and uh, Andrew Gordy with us this morning. Uh, we'll have some news, and when we come back, uh, some more issues, of course, to deal with. Big Opinions, the panel. Yeah, big game too, that for the West Indies. They wouldn't want to be losing two in a row in the qualifying section of the T20 World Cup. Um, and we'll stay on that subject, actually, Aidan McLaughlin, because rumours are uh, going around that Steve Smith may well miss that first encounter against uh, the Black Caps this Saturday night in Sydney. Yeah, potentially the changing of the guard in, in this format of the game. I think Smithy, um, Tim David, is uh, seems to be the man who's going to start that game, and He's been in great form, hasn't he? You know, he's uh, interesting. He's, he's 26 years old, and he actually played for Singapore before he he made his debut for Australia, which is only about a month ago. But uh, in the T20 format, he is absolutely on fire. He's played well for Australia in the games over the last few months, and he's had great BBL success in the past. He's played for the Mumbai Indians. So I think it is, in this format of the game at least, uh, probably the beginning of the end for Steve Smith. Um and it's probably his least effective format anyway. Uh, ODI and especially test matches, I think he's still got a long way to go. I think he's only 33, so he'll be playing those for a long time. But, yeah, I think someone like Tim David coming in, although it is surprising, um, it is understandable. So, so yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how Tim David goes. Yeah, uh, Gord, uh, let's stay on the subject of cricket. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to be there on Saturday night. Flight's all going well. Uh, uh, I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to go to the SCG with a bucket load of confidence on what I'm seeing, though, to be fair. No, I completely agree with you, Smithy, and I'm not surprised at all to hear you say that for a couple of reasons. Um, New Zealand's form in this format hasn't exactly been red hot uh, in the, in the tri-series, and I know it's going to be different conditions, etc., over in Australia, um, but that's almost kind of the point, isn't it? We're playing Australia first up, and... In the, in the opening match of a T20 World Cup in their backyard. Um, we know that the Black Hats have regularly had their, had their challenges against Australia, uh, playing in Australia, obviously. Um, so it's a, it's a huge mountain to climb. And look, just going back to the Steve Smith point, um, yeah, the, you, you may well be right, Aidan, in terms of, you know, this might be the beginning of the end for Steve Smith, um, his least effective format. Perhaps other players are informed, but at any time the Black Hats are in any format of the game, uh, don't have to face Steve Smith. I, I'd, I'd say that's a that's a good day at the office. Um, he's a talented player. He's got the he's got the big game experience, big tournament experience, obviously. Um, so I think the Black Cats would be happier uh, to not be facing him. And I think they need every every sort of sort of ounce of luck I think they can get because it doesn't feel like this New Zealand T20 side has has the same sort of. Um, I don't want to say fear factor, but I, I just don't have the same level of confidence in them. But that, that said, we know they've got some players uh, in this team, particularly in the bowling ranks. So I'm more confident in the bowlers than I am sort of the, the batters, I think. Um, still less than convinced about what's going on at the top of the order. So it's going to be very interesting, I think, to see which way Gary Stead leans in that regard. But, yeah, they've got to get the runs on the board. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of pressure, I think, on Devin Conway to continue delivering. Mm. Uh, Kane Williamson as well. But, yeah, Finn Allen... 
um, yeah, less than convinced about about his performances, and I think I think he needs to stand up and deliver in this first game. I don't think we've got the sluggers, and I'm using a baseball term here. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we've got enough home run hitters in our unit, to be perfectly honest. Uh, at the moment, anyway, well, we may uh, uncover one or two, but just on what I'm seeing, we, we tend to more work the ball around and manufacture a score than slug our way to it, and I think uh, in Australia, in the good conditions, the sluggers might prevail this time around. We shall see. Uh, that may well not be the case. Rightio, uh, Aidan, here's a subject um, you may be familiar with. Uh, in terms of uh, English rugby clubs, Wasps and Worcester going into administration, uh, which also includes, uh, in terms of the Wasps, uh, John Mitchell and uh, his coaching role and Brad Shields in his playing role uh, amongst the redundancies. Now, how concerning, how alarming is this on the basis was they can't be the only two under pressure, surely? No, definitely not. Uh, and it's interesting that these have happened in relatively quick succession, but equally... They've been building up for a number of years. Um, so there's definitely other clubs in, in trouble. And I think it's been a real slow burn for, for English premiership clubs. You know, they're all, uh, they're, op- they're privately owned. Uh, there's a lot of benefactors there um, who are pumping their own money in. And they're, they're really just, there's a lot of gambling going on with those, those premiership clubs in terms of putting money in to try and keep the, the, the clubs competitive and keep the value of the club up. I mean, in Wasp's case, it's got very, very messy because effectively what they've done um, over the last eight or so years is they've gone and they've bought a stadium. So they, they kind of skipped around a few football stadiums for a few years. Um, I remember going to Loftus Road, QPR's ground about 20 years ago, and they were playing there with Gatland and Sean Edwards in charge. And then they went to Wickham. Um, and then they've, they've bought a, a, a stadium in Coventry. And, you know, for context, Coventry is closer to Birmingham than it is London. It's about 100 miles away from, from West London where they're originally based. So they've, they've tried to buy an asset to be able to have more supporters, to be able to grow revenue. But equally, they've done it 100 miles away from home. So they've been losing money. They've been trying to, 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 to stay competitive. They're still paying big wages. You know, they've had the likes of Curtly Beale in there, Cipriani. You talked about Brad Shields. So they've kept bringing in the big names with the big wage bill, and it's just not working. So there's bound to be other clubs in similar circumstances. Certainly have to be, uh, Gordon. To me, you know, uh, and this is uh, a pathway for a lot of uh, New Zealand players towards the end of their careers or ones that don't quite make the cut. Um, And that pathway might be shutting down. Yeah, well, this is all really kind of, it's hard not to look at it as though this is symptomatic of like English Premier League football culture, where you have rich owners uh, with these grand dreams, I suppose, of building up uh, their club um, to be like Manchester City, for example, um, and having all the all the glory, I suppose, that comes with that. But there's also a flip side of that, which is gross mismanagement of of clubs. Um, the most recent. Um, like, as you know, I'm probably I'm a more close follower of English Premier League football than I'm English Premiership rugby. But Burnley is probably the, the classic example most recently. Um, like, there was some pretty damning figures released towards the end of last season, which highlighted just how costly it was going to be for this club if they were relegated from the Premier League. That's happened, and I can I feel very confident saying you won't see Burnley up uh, in the Premier League anytime soon because they are just in an almighty hole. And this is, it's quite clear that this sort of level of mismanagement is what's going on with English Premiership rugby as well. I feel very, very sorry for 
um, the players, the players, yes, but the the staff more so, and and the and not even sort of the senior the senior um, men's players and things like that. Like they'll they'll find other clubs, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but it's it's the staff at a lower level who who I mean I saw a, I even saw a tweet this morning from someone who's now unemployed and was essentially putting a plea out there like I'm a skilled person um, I'm looking for work I'm prepared to do anything and that's what these people are sort of having to having to do now um, but look John Mitchell Brad Shields they'll find other work they'll find other clubs I'm sure but to to broaden it out I suppose it's got to be a concern for English Premiership rugby that that a club like Wasps is, is clearly not big enough to fall um, and others will, I'm sure, be, be in a similar boat. And boy, I bet New Zealand rugby sitting back here going, gee, I'm glad we haven't given up complete control of our super rugby clubs because that would be the fear, wouldn't it? That, that if you put those, these clubs, um, which are absolutely essential to the ongoing ecosystem of New Zealand's uh, New Zealand professional rugby, um, if you hand it over complete control, you just don't know where they might end up. So... I'm sure New Zealand rugby is pretty happy that they they retain um, a, a strong controlling stake in, in each of their Super Rugby franchises. Totally agree. I, I think it's uh, very very concerning actually, and they are proud names. Worcester, yes, uh, Wasps, absolutely. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that, gentlemen. Uh, I was going to ask you. Uh, we've run out of time. I was going to ask you, um, Andrew Gordy, All Blacks only. All Blacks to pertain only to the All Blacks, yeah. Yeah, um, just obviously um, enjoyed your sermon this morning, Smithy, and, and honestly, I, I agree with every word of it. I, I hate the cheapening of the All Blacks brand. Um, the point I was going to raise, I suppose, is I'm sure if you had someone from New Zealand Rugby on the show, they would say, well, we had to do it to, to recognise the value in the brand, um, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? You cheapen the brand to recognise the value in it. But I, I, I do wonder, I, I can't help but wonder whether it was necessary. I mean, the All Blacks is, like you say, it's the pinnacle team um, and it is a pinnacle, pinnacle brand, I suppose, um, along with the, the, the sorts of names that you mentioned. And, and those, those clubs, they get by, don't they? But it is a different um, environment, I suppose, that New Zealand rugby is operating on, in, well, sorry, within. Um, we know the, the financial challenges that they face and which led to the Silver Lake deal. But with Silver, I suppose the question is, would Silver Lake have not been interested in taking on a share of New Zealand rugby and I suppose the All Blacks brand if the All Black brand had just been restricted to our senior men's national rugby team? I still think mm. the deal would have been there. So to me, it's not a necessary thing. I would be quite happy, like you say, for us to have you know the New Zealand men's sevens team, the New Zealand um, you know women's sevens team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't think we need that All Blacks brand trickling down to every single team that we have because like you say it just cheapens it and and now it feels like it adds to that idea that the mystique of the All Blacks is being eroded away not just through on-field performance but how they're being represented through marketing off the field as well. Andrew Gordy and Aidan McLaughlin have been our panellists this morning. Gentlemen thank you very much. Uh, Enjoy the T20 uh, World Cup coming up and uh, a feast of other sport as well on the agenda. Uh, Thanks for being part of the panel. Ricardo will have another one uh, tomorrow morning uh, around about the same time. Uh, it's coming up at uh, 10.44 here on SCNZ. Of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. I can tell you that uh, the Yankees uh, at the bottom of the fifth uh, lead uh, Cleveland 4-1 at the moment. They've got uh, the man that they all come to see, Aaron Judge, uh, at the plate and a runner on first. We'll keep you posted uh, throughout the rest of our show.
on that crucial Game 5 and uh, as they march their way towards the possible World Series uh, appearance again. Uh, texts that have come in uh, from Paul. Cheers, Smithy, for the cricket tip, yes, tip yesterday. I, I, I really did believe that um, uh, the Netherlands were, would beat uh, Namibia. I, I did. I just thought they were more, more experienced, more seasoned team, even though Namibia uh, had had that fantastic performance um, and, and winning over Sri Lanka. Uh, I just felt that, uh, that the Netherlands would get up and win. They did. Uh, they got that quite comfortably. So good on you, Paul. Paul got that. Um, Sean has come in and said, what about when we used to have tours in midweek games pertaining to the all-black name here? They weren't full-strength sides, but they were still all-blacks. Is that any different? Well, it is in that sense, uh, Sean. Uh, they might not have had test status, but they were part of an official all-black touring party. Uh, so therefore, you know, you'd, you'd have to say that they were All Blacks as such in that regard. Um, and that's an official uh, touring thing. So this is not an official uh, All Black thing, this All Black 15 thing. Uh, it's an All Black 15 thing um, uh, with its name at the moment. Um, Smithy, I couldn't agree more about the All Blacks should be the best players. I feel for Stephen uh, Perifeta, 50 seconds for 50 seconds, which is uh, more than you and I have got, uh, Dean, as you say. Uh, every uh, Everyone knows Damien is better or is Bowden now a 15. RTS is causing the problems because we simply can't have everyone. Uh, RTS should be in either uh, either team. Sean Stevenson is twice the union player, just another we will lose overseas. No team overseas in union would entertain RTS. He simply isn't good enough, uh, even on the wing. Tavita Lee owned him. So there you go. Um, and Joey's coming with Manchester United, Tottenham tomorrow. Go Smithy. Um, Man U, what are you thinking? Um, go United? No, I, th- I think Spurs might uh, upset the apple cart there. I, I really do, Joey. Uh, I certainly hope they do. Uh, it is 10.51 here on SCNZ. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Theloveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. They are racing to uh, Tauranga today, Louis Herman Watt. Uh, it's a soft five, ten race card beginning bang on midday. What do you reckon? Yeah, there's a couple of nice chances actually, Smith. There. Look, the markets have moved. There was a couple that got pointed out by the markets early doors. One of them was race two. The Waikato stud colours for... The Mackays, it's been to $5 now, perfect pass. And, man, this thing got absolutely punched in from its 11s straight away. There's a bit of bully around it for sure. It's been going some pretty nice races, and I think it's going to go very, very close today. Uh, race one, well, I did suggest that maybe it could be a bit of a Waikato stub 1-2 to start the day because Skew Whiff comes out of that nice form race at Topor. Uh, it's got that good trial form around it since then. It's been winning races, and I thought skew with for Mark Walker and Opie Boston from the good draw. Could go bang and start the day. Race number one, number six. And then across the ditch, it's the Geelong Cup, and J-Max over there, he's got a ride, and this has taken money as well. So I think you can follow the money today and not really think too hard about it. It's a good four. Surefire loves the good tracks. Um, into $4 from its $7 mark now, and then just put it, follow that up with Catalan, who also wants the good track. $2.30, wow! It was $3.70 this morning when we were tipping it out. $2.30 now, race number nine at Geelong. 
Catalans. So there you go. I think Jay Mack's the man to follow at Geelong, and I think Waikato Stud might have a day out at uh, Todong. Good on you, Louis. Louis Herman, what there? Let's uh, pop across to Pip Morris at the TAB. Greyhounds and Palmerston North, eight race card, 12.20 they begin, and some sports options as well, Pip. Good morning, Jess. Smithy just certainly is. Looking forward to Palmerston North. I think Lisa Cole will have another good day. There's a couple of shorties that do look like uh, they'll get punters home. Good contest with Big Time Mooney in race number seven at $3, and Big Time Lotus in the last at two. Uh, I quite like $25,000 guaranteed late quaddy at Todonga Gallops as well. And for the sports side of things, can tell you two on the baseball. There's been $1,000 on the Yankees head to head at $1.47. Two $500 bets on the Yankees as well. Smithy at 107 and 153 and $500 on the Yankees, the, the Guardians. Total runs over 8.5 at $1.75. We've got boosted odds available too around the football. I can tell you, Christian Rialdo to get a uh, goal along with Harry that's boosted as well. And another one there too to check out on the homepage for the sports is to win both teams to score, and that is like you said, was $4, now boosted to 4.5 Smithy. So check those out. And anyone wanting to play the basketball, if your team's leading by 12 or more at half time, we'll pay you out an early payout pay as a winner now with the CAB. Wow, that's interesting because those games can fluctuate big time. Pip, thank you very much. Uh, thanks uh, for that. We have a genuine legend after the break Mark Sorensen, Mr. Softball in New Zealand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. of New Zealand softball, the Black Sox are back where they belong on top of the world. Hallelujah, well done boys. Yes sir. And have a look at the celebrations as the Black Sox come together. What a tournament, what a victory, and Eddie Colassi has reason to be the proudest man in the nation tonight. Yeah, well, uh, on yesterday's show, as part of our Mount Rushmore segment, of course, we highlighted uh, that particular victory. That was the 2013 Soccer World Cup final featuring New Zealand beating Venezuela 4-1 in front of a roaring home crowd at uh, Auckland's Rosedale Park. Fast forward uh, nine years to this year with so many World Cups uh, winning our appetite. Uh, the Soccer World Cup is making a return to Auckland from November the 26th featuring the 12 best nations uh, who better to talk about it uh, than uh, Mark Sorensen, one of the world-class uh, achievers in New Zealand sport, member of the New Zealand Sports Hall of Fame, uh, amongst other things as well. Uh, Mark, it's a real honour to have you uh, on the show. Thank you. Oh, morning, Smithy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to be a part of it. Listen, it's time we talked uh, uh, about uh, softball because this uh, World Cup is not too far away, five weeks in fact. Uh, this promises to be one hell of an event. 50 games in nine days. That's a feast. Yeah, <laughs> there's certainly a smorgasbord there. Um, six games a day, two diamonds back-to-back, so three time slots. Um, so everybody, yeah, for, uh, for us to go through and uh, win it, it would take nine games. So game a day, um, plenty of opportunity for people to see the, the, the best softballers in the world at, the, at this time. 
There are good, uh, great softballers coming too. We've got two pools of uh, six teams. Um, we find ourselves, um, the Black Sox, in Group A with Argentina, the Czech Republic, uh, the USA, Cuba and Philippines. Tell us about that group and how we should progress. Well, it's... I think you know it, it used to be sixteen teams. They've cut they've cut it down to twelve this time. So I guess they've, what they're trying to do is is work on the quality aspect of it. And, and depending on what side of the fence you're on, Smithy, you, you know there, there, there is an element of these events to allow teams to develop and measure themselves. But you know for the sake of this event with twelve teams, um, we open with Czech Republic on on Saturday the twenty uh, sixth. And that's a that's a day game. Uh, we day game Saturday, day game Sunday against the US. Then all our other games are night at seven thirty. So weekend games during the day. Um, it's the check to start off with is a is one of those. Um, I, I guess it's a bit like Argentina with the All Blacks. You know, if if they play well, if we play well and do the things that we're supposed to, um, we will succeed. But if we're off our game and we leave the door open, um, they'll nip us in the bud. So, you know, it's a good game to start with, one that we can't, you know, we can't take for granted. Uh, we've had good success against them over the years. Uh, they've, they've beaten us once. But, you know, they are a, a nation that's improving a hell of a lot. And they'd certainly love to uh, rain on our parade and come out on day one there and, in the US, obviously, I, I, I don't need to explain too much about who they are and, and what they do. The, you know, the game was basically invented there. So, you know, they're going to pose uh, a massive threat for us. Uh, and then the biggest one that, that we're looking at in that first segment is Argentina, the defending champs, which will be Monday night. So, you know, we're looking to get through with um, with a positive, slate, clean slate for those first three games, which will set us up for the Super Round. Um, you know, after that, we've still got... Uh, Philippines and, and Cuba but you know looking to tournaments like this are really about getting on a roll and getting into a routine um, guys get an opportunity to play every day um, and, and get consistency with their preparation so the super round sees the top three teams from each section cross over and so uh, all going well we would play the top three teams in section B and we would take the points that we earned with the other two teams in our section across. So, you know, likely that we would play uh, Japan, Australia, possibly Venezuela um, in that other section, and then it goes just a 1v2 for a grand final and 3v4 for the bronze medal playoff. I like that format. What it basically means is every single game counts. That's exactly it. Yeah, it's, it's, we're, you ask traditionalists are going, geez, what have they done? It was great having semi-final, final, the way that they were doing it before. But, you know what, you're exactly right. What it means is uh, every game is, is important, even in the round robin. Um, and, and you can't take your foot off the pedal. But also, if you're going to win it, you're going to play the best. Um, and, and to be the best, you always want to beat the best, don't you? Well, we're seven times champion, so we've been the best a lot. But are we, are we necessarily, in your mind... Favourites? No, we're definitely not favourites. Um, Argentina would go in favourites, being the defending champs. They've uh, they've they won the Pan American Games this year, which is for the um, you know the North and South American teams. Um, they're 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 the team to beat. But you know, in saying that, we've we've had great success against them over the years. They got on a roll in Prague uh, in 2019 and and deserved their success. Um, 
you know, them and the Japanese who played in the final, I think, would would be the two targets, you know, that, that everybody be shooting for. We're, we're as good as as, uh, as we can be, uh, although we haven't, we, we've got to pick our final team. Our athletes are. However, in terms of measuring ourselves, we haven't played for three and a half years. So, you know, we've, we've done everything that we can domestically, but in terms of measuring ourselves, uh, we'll get a good opportunity to gauge uh, the week before the World Cup. There's a kind of a, a shadow shootout there for the top six countries in a tournament in Palmerston um, where we'll, uh, we'll we'll play against those other countries there. So we'll get a chance to measure ourselves, but I, I wouldn't say, um, if anything, we're too far off the pace, uh, even though not having played over the last few years. You know, we've got good athletes. It's, it's really for us, it's about um, controlling our controllables, you know, and making sure that, that our planning and preparation is top-notch. And, you know, our, our guys have played in North America uh, against a lot of these guys. So I've seen how they've gone and, and the talent's still there. It's just about how we pull together as a group. Mark, I, I just want to you make a point there about not playing for three and a half years as an entity as such. How many of the other countries um, have to go through that as well? Or do they get more regular competition? Well, no, they've all played. Um, we we would normally have played. Uh, we've had a couple of international events cancelled because of COVID, uh, and it's just the way that it's worked out that the events that we had were right in the in the thick of things. Um, and the Pan American Games that I referenced earlier, you know, was uh, back in April May um, in Argentina, and they weren't they didn't have the same COVID restrictions at that at that time. So that's seen us slip down the rankings uh, mainly because we haven't been able to accumulate any points. So it's been really difficult, but no, everybody else has played international competition. Right. Okay, let's look in depth at our squad, can we? As you say, you have not finalised it yet. Earlier in the year, you named a squad of around 20-plus players to pick from, to finalise from. How's that process gone? Uh, how many of those players uh, would at any stage be New Zealand-based or can they afford to be with uh, the way things are going in, in softball here? Yeah, well, uh, it's gone really well. You know, that they, they all were, were part of a, uh, an off-season conditioning program, which um, we're really pleased with the progress that we've got through that period. Uh, we had about 16 guys go and play in North America in, uh, in the middle of our winter, so they got a good stint of, of playing uh, against a lot of the athletes that will be coming down here. Um, and then came back and started their domestic season, which we pulled forward uh, just a month. We, we started the beginning of September. Typically, we don't start till early October. And it was just, you know, we'd lost. So the guys in Auckland played four games last season because of the, the pre-Christmas lockdown. And then with, with uh, Omicron hitting post-Christmas, they, they just didn't get any games. So... You know, we tried to uh, manipulate the season a little bit to create a l- some more games of significance. And, you know, club competition started earlier. Our NFC, which are, is our national provincial championship, is this coming weekend in Christchurch. Typically, that wouldn't be until February. So, again, we just tried to pull forward some meaningful games so that they can get plenty of games under their belt. And then last weekend in Auckland, we had the top... Uh, we had 28 athletes. We extended the squad... Uh, some guys came over for, that are based in Australia, so we do have uh, four guys uh, that are based in Australia, uh, and we had a four-game series um, at Rosedale Park where the World Cup's going to be, 
and we picked two evenly matched teams and, and they went toe-to-toe, which uh, was really good on a number of fronts to to see the guys in person. And, and, and when you're coaching, so I coached one of the teams, um, you see a lot more than what you do selecting from behind you know, the boundary lines in the stands or behind the outfield fence. So being able to be a part of those games was good. It was also good for me to, to start getting rid of some cobwebs, having not coached for, for so long on the diamond. Um, unfortunately, we had a couple of injuries there, which we're monitoring sort of daily. Uh, and we hope to get uh, updates on those by the end of the week so that when we pick the team come Monday, we'll know exactly where where the guys, guys are at. So they've had a pretty intense um, sort of three or four weeks. And then we select the team Monday and we assemble the following Sunday for our first uh, squad block, uh, which will be based in Auckland. How's the pitching crew looking? Uh, are you strong in that area? Because, uh, ironic, uh, over the years, I think it's quite obvious to say if you're a contender, you must pitch well. Yeah, yeah for sure. Do. You know, as I was saying, um, home runs win games, but defence wins championships. And, and the cornerstone of your defence is obviously your pitcher. So, um, look, we, we could probably do with more depth. Um, we've got a, a handful of guys that are competing. Uh, we've got two guys that, uh, two, three guys, sorry, that are, you know, that are right up there competing against the best in the world. Um, so, you know, on that front, we've, we've got uh, one of our guys, Daniel Chapman, had, uh, had back surgery in April. So he's still on a, um, I guess you'd call it a light duties return to work plan, uh, but he pitched for us last weekend in, in two games. Uh, we had him on a 50-pitch limit, uh, so he's gone through a rehab process over, over the last, well, since his operation. Um, and really positive outcome over the weekend, uh, no lingering effects afterwards, so he will be uh, will be releasing the shackles a little bit more this weekend from at, at the NFC for him to clock up a few more pitches, a few more innings. And we're really looking for him to be at 100% by mid-November, which he's, he's right on target for, which is a week ahead of the World Cup. How's softball um, in general, though? Can, can I ask you, uh, Mark Sorensen, how softball is looking um, and across the board in New Zealand? I mean, going back to my day when, you, you know, and I'm talking when your dad played and uh, those great sides throughout Hutt Valley and, and Wellington in particular that uh, I was brought up alongside... Uh, it was uh, a very, very powerful force in the country, uh, the BD Cup, etc. What, what now? Is it holding? Is it holding sway? Oh, look, it's a really good question, Smithy. We've gone through a bit of a transition, I think, like, like a number of sports, and you know, we've got really good numbers in juniors. Um, but as you go through sort of uh, that high school age bracket, which is a really challenging age bracket to hold people, you tend to see some drop away. There's been a big focus over the last couple of years um, on the female side of the game to try and to help boost the numbers there. And then getting through to, you know, to the senior, to the club stuff and, you know, those, I, I guess, those halcyon days that you talked about that, that I remember growing up and watching, you know, a lot of those a lot of those teams, a lot of those, you know, stars of yesteryear. Um, there's not as many senior teams as what's, what there once were. Uh, you know, I think each region is probably down 20 or 30% um, from teams playing premier stuff. But ironically, the, the social side of it is um, is still fairly strong. So, you know, it's just really, uh, it's, it's that pathway through those um, college years and, and capturing uh, that group of talent to ensure that 
the volume of talent coming through is enough to sustain the number of clubs that we need in the comp- in the relative competitions. So, yeah, I, I guess in short, to answer your question, probably down a little bit from, you know, sort of 80s, 90s. But, um, you know, we've still got a lot of world-class athletes at the top of the tree. So here's a, I mean, you know, we don't host the World Championship very often. Um, as you say, we haven't played for three and a half years. Uh, here's uh, got to be a window. In that respect, they've got to capitalise on too. So uh, you've got to get as many young kids, I would imagine, uh, interested and involved in this little nine-day window that you've got. How are they going to manage that New Zealand softball? Well, firstly, I think is, is don't try and promote it while this rugby, this Women's Rugby World Cup's on because it's uh, gobbling up a lot of the airspace at the moment. Uh, although we are, I, I, I've heard and seen that um, the marketing has started there. I mean, it's it's really about, you know, I think success in, uh, with capturing the mindset and, and heart, minds and hearts of everybody is is around the product that you present. So, you know, if if, if the product you present on, on TV and, and at the park is one that people can relate to, you know, and, and think is achievable in terms of, you know, attracting kids to the sport. I think you, 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 you're taking that first step towards capturing, you know, more people playing. Um, and, you know, uh, performance, you know, the ultimate currency in any sport is about performance. So, you know, kids look up to, to sports that are successful, um, you know, that, that are getting the exposure. So, it's great if we can get the exposure, but to, to really solidify it would be on the back of uh, ensuring that we, we provide the level of success that Softball New Zealand needs to um, to use it as a springboard, I suppose. Oh, I guess the other thing too about, uh, you, you talk about that age group where we tend to lose, and it's just not uh, softball, they're losing cricket, they loses them hand over fist. Rugby's having trouble holding on to them and you never thought, would have thought that would happen one day, Mark, but... Um, in terms no. of uh, a pathway towards um, an occupation, a job, how for a professional, how financial can softball be as an entity for those looking perhaps to travel? Well, in short, my guys were at the trial last weekend and went back to work on Monday morning. Um, we did a promo shoot on Sunday night with a handful of guys um, and they they were shooting that promo shoot through till about midnight or maybe just after midnight and then they're back at work on Monday. So uh, in terms of a job, um, if they're looking for a job and, and financial gain, this uh, we're not the sport, uh, <laughs> plain and simple. Um, we, we, you know, we, we're, a, we're a small grassroots sport that has had a lot of success in the past, but it, it's, it's, never, um, it's never been the driver for us around you know financial compensation although we'd we'd dearly love for that to be the case uh but that's the cut of the cloth that we get so you know it's got to roll with it mark Sorensen, uh, always a pleasure catching up with you mate i uh, wish you all uh, uh, all the very best with finalizing that squad and uh, that event will roll around a lot quicker than people think so oh, i can't wait uh, 26 uh, of november new zealand versus czech republic first up to open the tournament. All the very best, mate. Look forward to catching up with you later on and uh, and uh, hopefully uh, at the end of it uh, successfully, mate. Thanks, Smithy. Really appreciate you re- reaching out. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah cheers. Uh, Mark Sorensen there, one of the greats of New Zealand sport. And uh, that word is used a lot. It uh, applies to him. He's an out-and-out achiever and now looking to do it uh, in the coaching role as well uh, after already being successful in that department. It is coming up to 11.22 here on SENZ. I can tell you 
uh, in terms of uh, this crucial baseball game as well. Uh, 5-1 to the Yankees at the moment. They've got runners on first and second. It is the bottom of the sixth and uh, just struck out there. So that's how it'll stay. 5-1 and uh, six innings gone there at Yankee Stadium. Of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Catching up with Andy Thompson out of the West Coast uh, around about uh, quarter to 12 this morning to uh, just find out what he's got to, on his show, Rural Roundup, of course. Uh, but I'm going to cross now to uh, Logan Swinkles, who's got a couple of uh, interesting stories, one including uh, an all-black re-signing. Yes, Rico Iwani is starting on. He's staying with New Zealand Rugby and, of course, with the Auckland Blues, Smithy, till the end of 2023. So not not a big extension like some of the other players. I don't believe there's a sabbatical in there, so who knows what happens after the World Cup. But at least until the end of 2023, Rico Iwani has stayed committed to New Zealand Rugby. Okay, uh, that's interesting. Just a one-year extension, so... Uh, nothing uh, overly permanent about that and I, I would imagine there's quite a few uh, contracts up for grabs uh, at the end of uh, that World Cup in France too so uh, it's, it's always uh, the case isn't it uh, you try to achieve the goal the ultimate goal winning the World Cup and then you move on to feather the nest and why the hell wouldn't you it's just a logical procession really uh, but another story coming out of uh, the Rugby League World Cup and I, I think this stems from we've talked about it with Brandy Alexander and a couple of other people as well Mm-hmm. The small nature of the in-goal areas which and the small nature of the grounds, there's not a lot of room on either side outside the playing field itself and certainly no room at the end of the grounds, which, of course, when you come to filming, logistically when you come to putting television cameras there for a big event like a World Cup, presents problems? Yep, there is not a lot of room there on those tracks in the uh, dead ball area there, Smithy. Uh, and a big one that came from that in the matchup between the Aussie Kangaroos and Fiji Bati is uh, James Tedesco. He collided very heavily with the camera operator that was there in the in-goal area, completely collecting out the tripod and, you know, they cut to the camera, the camera dips down and everything. But you imagine how heavy those tripods are and making the kind of impact that Teddy would make with the camera at that speed. There's now a cause for concern that there's potential uh, litigation to come for the tournament organisers. This comes from uh, Dean Ritchie at the Daily Telegraph. And he's interviewed Sydney solicitor Paul McGear, who has said, The players at the World Cup are like thoroughbreds. It would be the equivalent of having a concrete barrier two metres past the finish post at Randwick. The loss of earnings and potential earnings could amount to litigation worth more than $1 million. So it could be a potential nervous times there for organisers of the World Cup. And on that subject too, uh, rugby league, in fact, I know it's going to push the news a little bit late, but... uh, uh, yesterday we spoke to uh, Andrew Webster, of course, uh, who's the newly appointed head coach of the Warriors. A lot of interest in um, what he had to say, um, Logan, and um, a lot of people have uh, picked up on it in our podcast, etc. as well. So here's a little snippet of uh, something from Andrew Webster on the decision he had to make. Andrew, um, based on your success that you had with the Panthers, I would imagine it wasn't just the the Warriors that uh, showed interest in you. Uh, why did you choose uh, coming back to New Zealand? Yeah, I, I think um, I think it's a huge advantage already being to a place. I think if you're you're going to take your first appointment as a head coach, you want to know you're going to feel comfortable there, and 
you want to know that you understand the bones of the organisation and um, you sort of you watch them from afar um, when it's your old club. You always keep a closer eye on them than you probably do a club that you've never worked at. Um, and also having friends here and people I've worked with, whilst uh, I'm sure the, the results haven't, haven't been what everyone's wanted, always feel like if uh, a few things change and feel like I could have an impact with other people on those things. So um, that always, I think that's a huge advantage um, I've actually lived, I've lived that and been here and understand that. Um, and also speaking to the club and knowing where they wanted to take and what their vision was, was really aligned with what I, what was, I was interested in. And also I love the city, love the people. Like I actually, um, my wife and I, when we lived here, loved the place. So, um, yeah, I, this, this was a huge advantage for me for my first appointment, um, where the club is at where I think we can go and, and been here before. Of course, Smithy, that was the interview with Andrew Webster yesterday. If you missed the whole thing uh, yesterday, check it out on our podcast channels, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's also, Smithy, this is great news, our most listened to ever podcast. So thanks to wow. everyone who is a Warriors fan, not a or any sports fan at all, that has checked that out. That is just awesome for us. Uh, really appreciate that. Yeah, well, I appreciate it too. And uh, to Cameron George as well, uh, CEO, for making uh, him so uh, accessible, I should say, um, only four days into his tenure. So that was cool. And it just goes to show how damn important the Warriors are in that respect. Uh, Just what people think, even after a down season, they've forgotten about that. We're looking forward to the new season under the new boss. It's 11.32 here on SENZ. It's time for you to get on the blower. Ring 0800 150 Last chance to stump me for a couple of weeks at least. Uh, Ricardo will be in the chair uh, from tomorrow, and he is much, much tougher. Here's the news with Aroha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it's time for Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. And like you said, it's your last chance to potentially win off him before he heads off to the T20 World Cup. And I know there's a lot of excitement around that, Smith. There's a lot of trepidation about how the Black Apps might even do. But I do hope you come back home with some silverware. Well, that would be nice. It would be nice. I wouldn't mind putting it on the plane next to me. But uh, here's the thing. Um, uh, at the moment, uh, a little bit like uh, Mark Sorensen alluded to, uh, with the softball, we're not favourites. We're far from uh, being the, the number one seeds in this competition. Um, and it, it's only a reflection, uh, really, of um, the fact we haven't played a lot of it and we haven't played the, the ones we've played lately have been a bit of a mixed bag. So uh, we'll see. So who have we got uh, on the line first up this morning, please? Well, speaking of our little competition here, Smithy, first at the crease, we've got John from Christchurch. Come in, mate. G'day, fellas. How you doing? Yeah, good, John. Um, all the best to you. Uh, and this um, and this is my last one for a while, so uh, I, would, I wouldn't mind giving it away, but I wouldn't mind also giving 50 bucks for Ricardo to start with. So <laughs> what are the subjects yeah, well, today? Luck the uh, good luck with the cricket, Smithy. Yeah. Anyway, I hope it all goes well over there, mate, and hope we bring home the trophy, eh? Let's hope. That'll be good, yeah. Dooley and I'll be doing our best. I think Danny Morrison yeah, is uh, doing some commentary as well <laughs> on our behalf, so oh, there you go. Oh, well, can we try... Can we try out for it? Um, okay, Logan, what are our subjects this morning? Dream team, love that. All right, your topics today, John, are the NBL, golf, or that T20 World Cup. Take your pick. 
Uh, I think we'll try golf. Yeah, let's go. I've been waiting for someone to pick golf for ages. People aren't usually brave enough to take you on in golf, Smithy. Well, that's okay. They, they, uh, I'll tell you what, they're much better, much more chance beating me on the course at the moment. I am terrible, but moving on. <laughs> not as bad as. Hey, sorry, no, not as bad as. Not as bad as. Come closer to the. Uh, yeah, good God. Who shoots 100 and lets the papers oh. know? Oh, my God. Ah, uh, is it? Knocking. Knocking. <laughs> All right. First question for you, John. In what country will the next Ryder Cup be held? Oh. Yeah, great. Good on you. Uh, <laughs> well, America. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not America, Smithy. So it does kind of leave the door wide open for you. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. There's a lot. Uh, um, I'm torn between Spain here and France. Spain and France. I think I'll go Spain. One of the worst things... I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Grab yourself some pizza and head on down to the 18th hole. It's going to be in Italy. Oh, wow. Okay. Italy. Fair enough. Okay. One up, one down. Second, second question for you, John. Which major is Rory McIlroy yet to win? Oh, God, I know this too. Um, I'll say the British Open. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, the British Open is one to his name. Smithy, over to you. Yeah, I remember I'm winning that. And I remember the, um, uh, I think the uh, romantic scenes of him and his parents, actually. Um, so he certainly won that one. But I don't think he has ever won the US Open. I'm pretty sure he's got a green jacket. And I'm pretty sure he's won the PGA. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's won the US Open. One of the worst things oh, I have ever no. seen done on a cricket field. This year, Smithy, this year, Smithy, he came so close, he finished second at the Masters. It's the one that eludes him. Oh, wow. I thought he had a green jacket. Well, there you go. Bum. Right, moving on. All right, last question for you, John. $50 TAB bonus bit on the line here for you. This one's going to the rule book. What's the maximum number of clubs allowed in a player's bag during a round? Well, I think it's 13 or 14. Oh, go 14. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Yo, and he's shaking his head in defeat, Smithy. I did, I did know that. I know that because I've just cleaned mine. Uh, so there you go. But it's, oh, oh, I've got to say, that's appalling. It's appalling from my point of view. Golf, they were so, those questions are very gettable, and I'm, oh, I'm so disappointed in myself. I'm going away. And I'm going to read some sports books. I'm going to go and read some sports books while I'm away. Hey, John, congratulations. Good luck for the uh, MPC final at the weekend uh, when you take on the Wellingtonians. And, uh, yes, uh, I look forward to... Uh, to some uh, cricket commentary coming up, mate. Well, well done. Good all on. the very best. All the best mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. Yeah, sta- just stay on the line, John, um, and um, we'll just confirm that we've got your details to, to get that money to you as uh, soon as.
Um, Stephen's come in and said, uh, I was right, South Canterbury Whanganui final staying in Timaru, not being moved to Christchurch, as uh, we mentioned yesterday from Stephen, uh, who, uh, who suggested that may well happen. I wouldn't have thought it was a bad move, but then again, you take away from that uh, that really uh, hard-earned advantage of, of playing exactly at home. So South Canterbury Whanganui will be in Timaru, um, and uh, we'll be back very, very shortly. We'll catch up with uh, Andy Thompson as part of that. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, being a Wednesday, of course, uh, Andy Thompson comes to us uh, with his Rural Roundup show. It's uh, on every one of our frequencies outside of uh, Auckland and Wellington, so that fully encompasses the rural areas of New Zealand, which is uh, great news. Andy, uh, we didn't get to speak to you last week, of course, because you were involved with the AgFest. Yes, Smithy, I was um, one of the owners of AgFest, so I took the week off, actually. Um, luckily, <laughs> it was uh, pretty busy um, in Greymouth on Friday and Saturday. We had an absolutely fantastic event, and the week set up uh, means we had, you know, sort of like uh, over 400 sites there. We had uh, 1,500 individual exhibitors, oh. so people on site. 18,500 people came through over the two days in Greymouth, and you I'll tell you, the weather was absolutely glorious. So I got sunburn, as you can probably tell, because you can see me, but red in the face. <laughs> so that's the West Coast equivalent of field days or such, yeah? Yeah, it is, mate. Yes, it is. Um, my wife and I and two others, uh, business partners, we actually own it. We've run it uh, in Hokitika since uh, 20, 2012 we started. First three in Hokitika, and then in 2018 we moved it up to Greymouth because we outgrew Cass Square, a famous uh, venue for the Wild Foods Festival. So we moved it up, and uh, it's just gone from strength to strength. So, yeah, a, a fantastic event. So good to um, kick off the field day season and the AMP show season around the country. We're the first cab off the rank, and... Uh, I can tell anyone that's looking forward to going, um, everyone's in good heart and people are just so excited to get off farm and uh, just going to kick the tyres, look at some new toys, have a, have a couple of ales um, and talk to other farmers. It was brilliant. Yeah, I think it's great for farming too that you're able to do that, to be perfectly honest, because it can be quite lonely when things are going uh, not so well for you, Andy. So the chance to swap ideas and, and just you know, have a beer or two and just relax, I think, outstanding. I've got, also got a note here. Uh, to ask you about tractor fires? Yeah, look, um, on the show today, I'm going to talk to Blair Shortall from FMG. He's a key account manager. But uh, just as a you know, someone who might be going to uh, keep listening to Staffy and not listen to the show, this is a really key piece of advice. October is the key time for tractor fires, and the reason for that is uh, birds are nesting, right? So what they do is they oh, yeah. you stop... You know, you stop for lunch, um, it's a, and a bird will fly in, and in the time you're at lunch, they can actually make a nest uh, in your engine on your tractor. Uh, and uh, well, I'm going to get. Well, I was going to leave this as a surprise, but over 13 million dollars worth of damage to tractors um, last year, I think it was, with tractor fires. So it's a real problem. Yep, wow. it happens. And 37% of fires that catch uh, tractors that catch fire burn to the ground. And when I say burn to the ground, you can imagine the rubber, the fuel, everything in them. And Smithy, I'm ashamed to say, mate, but I've been involved in two personally when I was farming. Yeah, but I managed to put them both out because I had an extinguisher in the cab. And my one piece of advice: 
is don't go to the warehouse and buy that little tiny extinguisher and think that's going to do the job. Get the biggest one you can fit in the cab comfortably uh, and make sure you've got that there ready to use. Because as I said, personally, I've had it happen twice. In fact, one of them, I was putting fertiliser on the paddock and I was by the side of the road and because there was mud splashing up on the glass, I had a cab tractor, I couldn't see it. And a, a member of the public actually got out of their car, ran across the paddock, came to me and basically yelled at me, said, your tractor's on fire, you idiot. And luckily I did manage to get out and put it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Andy, uh, Andy, Andy. Hey, hey, here's the other thing. Um, I had a, I had a subject uh, lined up to preview with you. You're probably not talking about this one, but it was a, it was just a, a statement that I'd seen which I, I found quite interesting. Um, and uh, it came after some research and uh, a bit of a poll taken where uh, it was disclosed that farming women are more concerned about the climate resilience of their farms than their male counterparts. How do you feel about that? Funny that I actually put that on the rural roundup sports uh, rural news yesterday. I did that did that little mm. piece. So um, I am aware of that. Um, do you know what? I'm actually not surprised. Uh, I don't think it's fair right across the board. It did go down a little bit further and say tertiary educated males uh, were more concerned as well. Um, so maybe it's an education thing. Um, but certainly. Uh, I don't know. How can I get? The, how can I do this without being overly sexist? I'll, I'll probably get in trouble here, Smithy. But I think it's the nurturing nature, maybe, of females. But that's not to say that guys don't care. But it's interesting research, to say the least. And then to couple it with the uh, the tertiary education component of it, uh, which was the second part of that research, I found quite fascinating. You know, the best way to um, to to be sensible about it and not sexist, Andy, is just to agree. Just agree yes. with it. Yes, dear. Okay. The two magic words for a happy marriage. <laughs> yes, dear. Uh, hey, Andy, what else uh, have you got on the show? Uh, we're going to talk about Hiwaka Rekanoa. Now, I know that's a, you know, that people's eyes glaze over, but this is an incredibly important subject. I've got, actually, I interviewed Christopher Luxon at AgFest on Saturday, so the quality mm. of the rec- recording isn't the best because uh, I did it off my phone. I couldn't find my microphone, Smithy, but I did it off my phone. Andrew Morrison, Chairman of Beef and Land. And just to um, add a little bit of uh, complexity to it, I've got Christine Rose, who is the lead agriculture campaigner for Greenpeace, uh, to get their view on it. So, um, yeah, oh. we're going to canvas all sides of the heckin... Let me put it this way, Smithy, no one is happy with the government's um, response, which um, normally I would say maybe they've got it right. In this case, I don't think so. Oh, well, Andy Thompson there, yeah, that's, that's um, oh, massive. It's massive. It's been a huge issue. So look forward to hearing more of that uh, uh, here on the Rural Roundup. We'll give Andy a 10-minute window to go and poise, get himself poised and everything down there. Uh, and uh, in the West Coast, and uh, we'll come back ourselves and talk, talk to uh, Mark Stafford, which I guess in a sort of a way is like the alternative commentary in the same uh, in the same segment, in the same 12 to, to 1 slot, because Staffy is on, of course, in Wellington and in Auckland. But the rest of the country is Andy Thompson's from 12 onwards. We'll be back soon. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.